0: Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and I'm back for Thread episode 46. Uh, I am at my house on a beautiful Saturday morning. Everybody just cleared out, so I've got the Windows open in my study, looking at these beautiful mountains around me. And uh, it's been a heavy load the last two weeks. Uh, we opened Media Light, and we've had students coming in from Mongolia, Nepal, Philippines, US. We've got some staff from different countries as well. And uh, it's just a beautiful mix of students. And uh, we're keeping 12 hour days. At least five days a week and then on saturdays we usually work half a day because we've got a lot to do uh, in terms of skill development in the 10 weeks that they're with us so we've finished two weeks and uh, this week we turn to acting classes and directing classes uh, hoping to see god use these young people and raise them up as communicators that they can communicate in the modern language of media to their generation, especially here in Asia, where so many of the people have never had one exposure to the gospel. Uh, Today, we're going to be in a section of Mark that in Bible school they call the little apocalypse. It's about the end of the world. So if you're interested in that and you don't have a Bible with you, uh, why don't you run get one and come back, because we're going verse by verse, as always, on Thread. Thread. of the world. Always a fascinating topic, uh, even in Christ's day. Uh, this this opens, this session opens not, uh, not as a prepared discourse, but out of a teachable moment. The Scripture says in Mark 13, verses 1 and 2, "...then as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples... Said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. And now, as they sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things? Will be fulfilled. So, this is actually a private teaching. It started as a public teaching uh, that he said on the steps of the temple that every stone in that temple would be torn down. And it was in 70 AD. The Romans came in with their army to quell a Jewish revolt and they tore the temple down stone by stone, carried the stones away, and erected a temple to Zeus. Uh, But it was that quotation that was used against Jesus in his uh, trial after the arrest, as though he had uh, uh, blasphemed against the temple by declaring that it should be torn down. Uh, But, you know, there's a moment, and this is something that parents learn to love, and uh, anybody who wants to shape a young life needs to be watching for this, because you can can schedule some teaching and try to make it, you know, cram it into... somebody else's head, and it won't always go. But whenever there's a moment and a question is formed in their mind and they ask it, you have the golden, teachable moment. They're listening, their mind is connecting everything you say to some subject, and if you can put good content there, most likely it's going to go inside and stick. So that's how Jesus did his teaching uh, as a routine. We have one time that we see that he's prepared a discourse and that is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Other than that, uh, he seems to have responded to the moment and the situation there, and he taught the things that would stick in their minds because of what was going on right in front of them. Uh, Now, Jesus, in his uh, view of things, is, we could say, creationist, dualist, and apocalyptic. He's creationist in saying This world was not always here. This world was created. It's owned by God. It was created by God. He's dualist in the sense of that the key issue for this planet is the uh, warfare between the dark forces and between God's light, righteous force. And man is caught up in the middle of this cosmic battle. We have joined the forces of the darkness and have been taken over by them. It, it has affected us internally. It has affected uh, our, our thinking. It has perverted and twisted us in many ways, but it has also wounded us in many ways, and we can't get away from it. We're now uh, servants and slaves of the darkness, and uh, as a planet, uh, humanity works on the side of darkness, and the central tendency of things Uh, The quote that's always in my mind is the central tendency of all institutions is toward the demonic, toward those abuses characterized by characteristic of principalities, powers, and spiritual darkness in high places. Uh, That is to say, if you organize humans and you give them power and money and create this thing with real, you know, it has real ability and force, just give it time and watch. It's going to begin to stray, even if Christians found it. If you don't forcefully continue to prune that vine and make this thing line up. It's going to gradually, over time, move itself away from the core functions of what the Lord has told us we're to do, and it's going to get on the side paths. and you're going to start having internal uh, power struggles, and the more money there is on the table, the worse this is going to be, and the quicker it goes there. But it's just the nature of the planet. That's the dualism of it. There has to be... You know, the, the number one issue for the planet is the need to overthrow the darkness and for humans to break free because this darkness, this curse, is on the whole land. And while we look at what is a beautiful creation, we also see the competitive nature of everything within it. And uh, our relationships have been affected. All of our relationships have some uh, element of competition in them now. And things are just ruined, and they have to be fixed. Well, okay, how will they be fixed? Uh, third thing I said, Jesus is apocalyptic. He believed, along with the apocalyptic uh, prophets in the Old Testament, that this change was coming. I've been listening to uh, Cat Stevens' song, Peace Train. Uh, Sherry got me a ukulele for my birthday, and I'm trying to find some new songs that would like fit a uke. And uh, you know, I've heard that song since the 70s, but I never really focused on the words because now i've got the music in front of me and i'm trying to learn how to play it and it's like man that's a beautiful song that's like about the kingdom of god coming there's a peace train it's moving toward us you need to get on it while they're you know it's calling you run out there and get on the peace train as it goes by and um you know the kingdom has come and the kingdom is coming and it's calling you come get on the kingdom because in apocalyptic fashion uh, we do not have a situation in front of us where that uh, the world is going to get better and better and better, and humans are going to subdue the world and make it a perfect, harmonious place. And I applaud all the efforts to do this. You know, thank God for everybody who wants to bring um, fairness to the world and environmental consciousness to the world, and uh, women's rights and children's rights and men's rights, and you know, the whole world. It needs to be bettered, and we should all work for the bettering. Uh, and I want to be part of that. But uh, the Scripture does not present a, a picture of the last days where that, uh, you know, everybody gets on board the train, and the train rolls down, glides into the station, softly doors open, and God says, Congratulations, you're in the kingdom. And you open the doors, and wow, it's a perfect world. Everything is made right and we just step out. No, it's more like the train is headed to the station. It is picking up speed. It's, up, it's going 120 miles an hour, and there is no track beyond the station. The station is the end of everything, and this train is just headed for it, and it is going to slam into this station. And in a moment, a catastrophic moment, there's going to be a change. An immediate change is about to be wrought on everybody. Uh, who's involved in this, and that's a little more of a snapshot of an apocalyptic worldview. Things change suddenly. Uh, Pain intensifies. Troubles multiply. The war that is a subtle war behind the scenes that turns every educational institution, uh, even religious institutions, political institutions, that turns their energies away from God and toward furthering the uh, the curse on the earth, you know that is going to be brought up into the light, and it's going to be an open God hate from one side of the earth, and an open God loyalty from the other side, and the angels and the armies of heaven are aligning against the armies of the darkness, and there's going to be this moment when, at the signal, the two armies just collide. And it's going to get very dramatic. And that's how Jesus lays it out for us. He says, we're going to have in verses 5 through 8 some preliminary warning events. These are the shots across the bow of the boat. You're not being shot at yet, but we're letting you know we're about to commence the war. Uh, These events... And again, this is a private teaching. He has now moved off the temple steps. They've gone across the little uh, ravine. If you've ever been to the Temple Mount, you go down a ravine, and then up on the other side is the Mount of Olives, and it's very close. You know, uh, And uh, they're sitting there looking at the temple, and Jesus starts talking to them. He says, okay, this is how it's going to happen. And he stresses verse 5 uh, more than once. He says, look take heed. You be careful that no one deceives you. That means it is possible. Be careful that no one deceives you. Verse 6, many people are going to start using my name. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. He's talking about a false religion led by self-promoters with uh, great powers of marketing, branding, and deception, and they're able to Uh, Promise things that they don't deliver and, you know, uh, everything from glorious life right now to, you know, the end of sickness to solve all your problems with some kind of miracle power, whether it's a a faith power, you exert your faith power, you know, some way to keep the pain of earth from touching you. And they're going to promise these things. He said they're going to promise them in my name. And many people are going to be deceived by that, and I think that's pretty much a snapshot of about half of what's going on in uh, organized Christianity. It is some form to say either that a man has this stuff to give you, if you'll just follow his wisdom and buy his books and tapes, or that our church has this. We are able to dispense God, and we can dispense grace, and your job is to just tie into our church and our church is, you know, it needs to be the center of your life and this is the thing you give yourself to just be here a lot, come sit a lot and let us, uh, you know, let us entertain you. Uh, We will have a variety of speakers. We'll have big screens. We'll do, we'll keep it short. We'll keep you air conditioned and uh, make sure that there's plenty of parking outside. So you won't be troubled. He says, you know, this is not, they're going to use my name it's not me. I didn't empower them to use my name. I don't want them using my name, but they will, and that is where people will go. Uh, They'll be led astray into false forms of religion. I think we'd have to say false forms of Christianity, Uh, that there are going to be all kinds of people who are not following Jesus. They're following their church. They're following their bishop. They're following their leader. They're following the system that's supposed to make them perfect or Know, take away all their problems. They're not following Christ. They don't have a Jesus-shaped Christianity. Actually, I'd like to I didn't plan to do this, but I want to recommend highly uh Michael Spencer's book. And I wish the Lord had let him live a little bit longer. Um, he uh he had a he's got the one of the largest podcasts in Christianity and Michael Spencer on online, he was called the Internet Monk, and he's on um, uh, iTunes, and you can just Google "Internet Monk" and you'll get him. But he was approached um, after he wrote an article called "The Coming Evangelical Collapse," where he talks about that he thinks in uh, the next twenty years fifty percent of people that attend evangelical churches are going to leave for various reasons, and uh, that got him on the radar. And he was asked to write a book, and he wrote a a book, and it's published by Waterbrook Press. And just as he finished the book, he discovered he had cancer and suddenly died. But he's got some very um, some thoughts worth reading, and uh, you you'd also enjoy him uh, on his podcast. They still have his podcast online. Someone has taken over the show and is trying to keep it going. But you need to go back a year. He's been dead for a year now. Um, He died in April, actually. A little less than a year. Okay, uh, so that's a great book on this topic of uh, being distracted by other things and not focused on Christ. He says in, Jesus says, uh, verse 6, this is how religion, even connected to me, is going to become. Verse 7, there are also going to be a multiplication of global conflicts. There's going to be an agitation of, between nations. Verse 7 says, when you hear about wars and rumors of more wars, don't be troubled. These things have to happen, and the end is not yet. This is not the end of things. Verse 8, now he talks about ethnic violence. He says, nation, and that word in Greek is ethnos, ethnos, ethnics, will rise against other ethnics. You know, we, in my lifetime, that would be a uh, uh, Bosnia, Serbia, Serbs and Croats going at each other. We've had in Rwanda Hutus and Tutsis, and it's you're in the same country, but just two groups of people just square up and start to kill each other, and uh, they hate each other. The hate you know intensifies on the earth. Nations will rise against nation kingdom. Now you're talking about political designators. Kingdom will rise against kingdoms. And now you've got Iran, Iraq, Middle Eastern troubles. You've got all through the world. There are agitation countries, border wars. And then, verse 8, in the middle, earthquakes in various places, famines and troubles. Earthquakes in various places, famines and troubles. You're having birth pangs in nature. Nature is starting to convulse. And Jesus says, these are the beginning of the sorrows. These are the preliminary warning events. You're having earthquakes. The planet is starting to convulse as a woman with a a child about to be born. There are famines. There are troubles of many kinds. They're localized, and these are the beginning of the sorrows. Now, turn the page. Go to verse 9. He says, then you must expect persecution to rise over the gospel, because this is the era that is the harvest era. The only reason that we're here right now is the harvest of the earth. Uh, It is the only thing holding off, because God's good plan for His future, He is excited about it. He is delighted about it. He wants to bring the kingdom in its fullness. But The day the kingdom comes, the opportunity to enter the kingdom is gone, and if you're not already in the kingdom, when it arrives in its full force, you're not coming in. And so, because God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance and all should get to enter his kingdom, he is holding the door open as long as he can before he pushes that button and that's to give us time as a church. It's the church age, it's the missions age, and it's the only purpose uh, of the church in the world. We are here to evangelize in our heart. That is the, the core reason for there being a church. We make disciples in every nation. So as we do that, he says, uh, there's going to be pushback. As the world becomes more evil and more openly God-hating, they are going to come at you, uh, the, the whole idea of religious toleration, is going to start to go out the window. Watch out for yourselves, verse 9. They will deliver you up to councils. In other words, they're going to use the law as a weapon and as a way to show their legitimacy. You, know, you are a criminal because they've passed laws that say you can't do what you do, uh, sort of like using the RICO statutes uh, against abortion protesters. I mean, that's an organized crime law. And under the Clinton administration, trying to find some way to stop the abortion protesters from protesting the clinics, they decided to apply the RICO laws to them. Well, I mean, that gives you like 20 years in jail. So it went from, you know, normal civil demonstration. If you're going to get arrested for trespassing or whatever, you know, you're in jail for a day, a week, a month. You're not going to jail for 20 years over that. They use the law to do it. So he said, they're, gonna, they're going to deliver you up to councils, and you're going to be beaten in the synagogues. He's speaking to Jewish followers. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. Okay, verse 10. And the gospel must, and that Greek word is dei. It means something that is an absolute imperative. It has to happen. It is necessary. It, is, um, it ought, it should, it must happen. The gospel must first be preached to all the ethnos, to all the ethne, to all the nations of the world. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. This is what is holding the pain in suspension. This is the thing that makes us have to continue to stay here despite the earthquakes, the famines, the persecutions. It has We have to complete the circle. And it's interesting to, to watch in history how it, how it went. Middle East is kind of the belt of the earth, belt buckle. You move from the Middle East, the gospel went north into Turkey, and at Istanbul, uh, a decision had to be made. Do we go right east and go into Asia, or do we go west and go into Europe? And Paul had a vision. In the vision, he, he saw a man dressed in Greek clothes and Macedonian clothing and saying, come over, come over and help us. So he took that from the Lord, believed that he had heard from God, and told his group, uh, okay, get up, We've dis- I know where we're going, God has shown me, we're going west into Europe. And he pushed into the heart of the Roman Empire and began to move around that Mediterranean coastal area and did all the preaching that he could. His associates did it, uh, other apostles did it, and they began to spread the gospel to the west. Well, Europe accepted the gospel and uh, the gospel began to spread through northern Europe, some very interesting stories. The Europeans then took it westward. As they went on to their colonizing ventures, the gospel went with them, and now the gospel moved west. And you had it in the North and South Americas, and then the gospel moved west again now in our generation, and it's completing that circuit. It has entered Asia on the eastern side, Korea, has had a great turning to the Lord. Indonesia has had a great turning. The Philippines uh, had a great turning, and it's starting to spread. We're seeing the gospel in the other nations of Asia. And the uh, the Chinese house churches have a movement called the Back to Jerusalem Movement, and they believe that in the end, it's uh, they actually have, are taking up the flag for themselves, saying that Chinese people who have been using the Silk Road as merchants for 2,000 years That they want to see the Chinese church continue with a westward expansion of the gospel and move it back into the Middle East so that in the end, the gospel has to come back to Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, to see the circuit completed, that everyone, uh, every people on the earth have had the opportunity to understand the gospel because it's the greatest tragedy to live your whole life and have the devil steal, kill, and destroy from you only then to leave this life unprepared to meet God and be separated from Him forever. God does not want that, and He's given us 2,000 years to do something about it, and if we will focus our money, uh, you know, 85% of all missions work is done in countries that already have a Christian population to convert them from being one kind of Christian to a different kind of Christian. Only 3 to 5% of missions money and missionaries are targeted at Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, people who are non-Christian or non-religious or animists or anybody that isn't already uh, following some form of Christianity. I mean, that's such a whacked-out priority. And as we get that aligned and start to invest our money in reaching those who've never heard, things will happen. Send our missionaries there and put our focus there. Jesus said, it must happen. The gospel must go to all the nations. Verse 11, when they arrest you, he didn't say if, when they arrest you and deliver you up, don't worry about it. Do not worry beforehand, don't premeditate what you will speak because that's what we would normally do is build our defense in our mind. He just said, just keep your mind blank and whatever is given you in that hour, just speak that. Because it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So praise God for the opportunity to be His witness, and to be His witness to all the nations. And to, um, you know, if you're living, uh, uh, people from around the world listen to the podcast, and if you are living in a country, you know, the whole world is now mixing. There's so much traffic moving back and forth. I live in Thailand, and Thailand has 14 million foreign visitors a year. Uh, America has the largest university system on the planet. And we have students from all over the world that come to the States, many of them from influential families, and they are going to be the leaders in their country. You can be a voice to the nations from wherever you live. There are people from the nations that God has brought near you. You can find them if you look for them. Just get to know them, share a cup of coffee, get get to know them on a deeper level, bring them into your home, let them enjoy your hospitality. Don't go to the point so quickly. And once you've got your hearts bonded together, there will come a day that's a natural day for sharing about things like this because they need to hear the gospel, and you may be the, just the one that God has put in their life so that they can hear. Well, let's go to the harvest, and let's be aware that we are moving into last days, already living in the last day era and that these dramatic things are starting to happen around us, even right now, and God's kingdom is on the way. So let's do our part to hasten the return of Jesus Christ. That's all for now. If you'd like to talk to me directly, just email me, chuck at quinley.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to Emergenetwork.org.